2017 versus 2023. Which Penn State football team would win in a hypothetical scrimmage? Honestly, it's easy for me. 2023. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko. I am your host of the show, and it's not exactly Sunday, so Mass is not in session, but the Lord is back. Jason Lord on the other side. I've been waiting for that one. I, I got to think of something clever every time I have you on the show, Jason. There you go. You're not the first but and won't be the last, but that was that was clever. I will give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> and today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college. And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, easy enough, they're going to throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. That is promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. And Locked On Nittany Lions is your go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest, especially Penn State recruiting. This is the debate episode, Jason. You and I are going to go back and forth on this. And I'm glad we're going to agree to disagree here because 2017 versus 23. I saw this one floating around the internet, particularly on Twitter. I, and then I've seen some, some other Penn State outlets make the comparisons, draw them to 2016 or 2017, whichever team. Obviously, the 2016 team did win the Big Ten Championship, so that's the gold standard. But the 2017 team... Uh, they were honestly the most talented of the groups that James Franklin's had up until 2023. So you and I, at least that's my opinion, I'll see, we'll let the listeners uh, and viewers know what you think. And then we're going to talk about Drew Aller and Trace McSorley specifically in the upcoming segment. And then just kind of answer the questions around Mega Barnwell, Matthias Barnwell, why he magically disappeared off the roster just the other day. So Jason, before we move any further, where can people keep up with what you do again? You're going to be covering high school football again in the fall, 17 years plus on this, Jason, for the local state college. <laughs> <laughs> Too many, not enough for uh, state college. And then you'll be back on the Penn State tailgate show for local radio. But where can people keep up with you? Uh, lo yeah, local radio is uh, one of the biggest parts. Uh, Twitter, uh, you can follow me on uh, on Facebook as well if you'd like. Uh, as I've always said, Instagram, I'm there. But um, if you're going to want to get a hold of me, that's probably the worst of the three. Uh, no doubt about it. So Twitter, Facebook, local radio, anyway, you're, you're welcome to get a hold of me. I'm pretty quick to respond, typically. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Penn State. 2017, which was a very talented team. Now, I think they would have been put over the top had Chris Godwin stayed, but Chris Godwin took the jump to the NFL. It was ultimately the right decision, landed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And look how successful he's been a Super Bowl champion with Tom Brady not too long ago. But that team was loaded with talent offensively. Defensively, I think there were some quality guys, but I don't know that that's a defense that should necessarily be remembered. Uh, it, that's that's my opinion, though. Now you bring it to 2023, I think you should you have some comparable parts. You're better at certain position groups. You could argue the coordinators might because the head coach yeah. is the same. I would and I would argue that 2023 version of James Franklin is obviously going to be better than 2017. He's going to learn stuff. Yes, exactly. So I am a fan. And I'll state my case when it's my turn, but I'll, I'll let you have the floor first, Jason. I, 
2023, in my opinion, was better than 2017. And I don't know that it's really that close when you look at the overall team. But what say you? Well, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards 2017 right now. 2023 okay. is not taking the field yet. That's uh, one of the the biggest reasons. Yeah, There's so many things. On, yeah, right? on paper is without a doubt a, a much deeper team in 2023. Both lines, defensive line, offensive line, much much better on paper yeah. in 2023. But 2017 just had a lot of things that went in their favor. You know, two unfortunate weeks really hurt that team. Mm-hmm. They and you go into the 2017 season, they weren't sneaking up on anybody anymore. 2016, no. they came off the Big Ten championship, came off the 11 and three season, and uh, they were a team that flew under the radar a little bit until that big win over Ohio State at Beaver Stadium. And then, you know, they won out, went right into the Rose Bowl, and I really should have beat US USC. They were up 15 points in that game, and you know, unfortunately let it slip away. But I think to me, that team going into 2017, you had a lot on you. You know, you had the kind of the bullseye on you, just as Ohio State did same year. But I felt like that team talent-wise was very talented offensively. Defensively, had a few holes. Offensive line wasn't bad. It's it's not at, on paper, again, as good as 2023 is. But I think you know, 2017, you look at the offensive weapons that were there, you know, Trace McSorley being one of the, the biggest parts of it, uh, uh, really a born leader. You hate to use the term it factor because so many people use it, but it was true with him. I thought he really just had it. He was he was able to to win games for you in a lot of different ways. And he was just a, a born leader, which you thrive for and live for at the quarterback position. Running back, they had two of the best running backs you could count on in Penn State and you know, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders. Wide receivers, you talk about losing Godwin, what they had back though. Was yeah. was incredible. You, you had you had Hamilton still there. Tompkins was still there. Blackmail was still there. You know there were guys that were really good. Juwan Johnson was there. Yeah, those th- that team was was loaded uh, on the offensive end, and you don't even factor in Mike Gesicki. It was unbelievable. One of the best tight ends in Penn State yeah. history. So I, I think to me, offensively, that team uh, does it have the offensive line on paper? The twenty twenty three as no. I think twenty twenty three's offensive line looks as talented as it's looked here at Penn State in a long time, but I think, to me, talent-wise, especially offensively, they just had a lot going for them, and they had that experience coming back, too, which was big at key positions, which this team does in 2023, but there's still a couple positions that are question marks. There's still a couple positions where guys haven't started a full season, so I, I think 2017 is the team that I give the edge to right now. Doesn't at all mean 2023 is not more talented in a lot of spots. I think they are. I, I, again, I say it, offensive line, defensive line, probably, I don't know if I go far as, as far as to say exponentially better, but they're a lot better uh, when it looks on paper. But we've seen it before where teams are hyped, and I'm not just talking Penn State. Teams are hyped, and then they don't live up to that hype. So uh, I got to see 2023 on the field for a little bit before I give them the nod. 2017 had the chip on their shoulder. They were really two weeks away from uh, being an unbelievable team. Not that they weren't. They won a Fiesta four, Bowl. Four, that points, year four points away from being 12-0. Yeah, where you had a 28-10 to 10 lead in the horseshoe, too. 21-3. Took that opening kickoff back. Really just had set the tone entirely in that game in Columbus. Should have won the game. Let it slip away, unfortunately. And that was on the defense of 2017, which is 
again, weaker than what 2023 looks like. I, I'll give you that. I, I think 2023's defense looks stronger, especially in the secondary, especially in the defensive line. But, uh, you know, should have won that game. And then, obviously, the freak occurrence at Michigan State, that's going to happen about as often as a papal election. That doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. where uh, you have what happened there in, in East Lansing where you had the lightning storm and, you know, they had to literally be fed you know, chicken sandwiches or whatever it was Pizza, at halftime. Yeah. yeah, and and that that was just very difficult spot. And nearly won that game too. They led twenty four twenty one in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, just to you know let it slip away. And then Michigan State wins with a field goal. Conditions were terrible that day. Not only with the delay, they played in the rain uh, through much of the day. So, and those are the two losses that that team had. You look back at the whiteout game, which I thought was one of the best whiteout games uh, in Beaver Stadium, just because of the hype. You remember going into that week, game day was here. Uh, you know, you talk about secondary ticket prices. They were through the roof for that game against Michigan. And Michigan calls out to, you know, just absolutely a couple plays into the game. Saquon Barkley goes all the way into the end zone mm-hmm. and just set the tone really 42 to 13 that night. Uh, that team to me was special. And, there is sometimes some what might have been with that team just because of those two losses. And uh, yes, they had weaknesses. And on paper, I think 2023 again has bigger strengths in those spots. But man, I, I, it's hard to go against Trace McSorley in a big spot. It's hard to go against uh, Saquon Barkley. And uh, you have a backup running back who just played in the Super Bowl on that team in, in Miles Sanders. So, uh, man, that team was, was just so good. The receiver's real strong. Kasicki was unbelievable. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to bet against that offense. I think you made a good case, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have mine in the upcoming segment here. Before we get to that, and then specifically Trace McSorley versus Drew Aller, let's talk about our sponsor of today's episode, and that is Bird Dogs. And Bird Dogs, well, their shorts and their pants are extremely comfortable for three reasons. First, it's the fit. You will look great and you will feel great wearing bird dogs. Second reason is comfort. Their stretchy fabric will make your legs look great and they're comfier than all of your other shorts and pants. And then finally, versatility. They give you the freedom to wear one pair of shorts or pants on the golf course, to a meeting, date, hang out with your friends, you name it. Now, I personally never had a pair of bird dogs before, but I got myself a pair. And I'll tell you what, they definitely live up to the billing. So go to birddogs.com right now and go to birddogs.com slash college and enter promo code college. When you do, you get a free Yeti-style Bird Dogs tumbler with every order. That is birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. And again, thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and, first listen and watch every single day. If you like what we do here, follow along wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Can't do this without all of your support. Really appreciate it. Jason, I appreciate your support coming on as a guest. Thank you so much for uh, that. Uh, so my done. case for 2023 is pretty simple. I, I, In simplest of terms, the defense would stack up at least well it's right it's the uns it's the immovable object versus the unstoppable force right the defense versus that that offense because that joe Mar- and i'm going to factor coordinators into this as well because i think that joe moorhead 
is a better offense. Now, I think Mike Yurcich has really come a long way in just a couple of seasons with Penn State. He's obviously very young. Joe Moorhead's been in the coaching a little bit longer than him. But I would give the advantage to Joe Moorhead in terms of explosiveness, and I like explosive offenses. Mike Yurcich is very comfortable with the players that he has where he doesn't need explosion. He needs durability. He needs, I, I want to say, creativity to continue because they have that capability to use Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, now Trey Potts, honestly, where they had obviously Kevon Lee. But you have a running game where you can just wear defenses down and you can win the long game. Whereas Joe Moorhead was like, all right, we have the capabilities to go over the top and basically get you on and off the football field and beat you that way. So Mike Yersich wants to wear you down. Joe Moorhead wanted to wear you down in another way, get you on and off the field quickly so your offense didn't get to rest and your defense was shell-shocked when they would score as quickly as they did. Penn State could put up 45 points in the blink of an eye. Mike Yersich wants to play ball control, but he there is an explosive nature to it just because of the home run ability strictly of Nicholas Singleton, right? But I, it's the defensive side of the football for me because I think Manny Diaz is a better coordinator than Brent Pry. It's no disrespect to Brent Pry. I think he deserves a head coaching job at Virginia Tech. I know he's going to turn that program around. However, I look at Manny Diaz and I'm like, man, did they, they might have had an upgrade here when they got him on campus just a year ago. So I'm glad he's back in year two. So when I have this debate, Jason, it's really strictly about who would win in a head-to-head football matchup, okay? So we're taking what we've seen from 2017 and what we think we're going to see out of 2023. So when I put them on the field against each other, in my mind, I say that 2023 wins, and I'm pretty confident in that answer because solely of the defense. And I think that the offense, yeah, you have a question mark with Drew Aller as far as how good is he going to be. We don't know how – we know that he's going to be good, but is he going to give you Sean Clifford numbers or is he going to take it to the next step? I'm confident that he'll take it to the next step because he's got Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. He's got – a much better offensive line than Trace McSorley did. Now, Trace McSorley had the benefit of having his legs because then he could evade. And that offensive line wasn't bad. I'd probably rate it a five out of 10. It was pretty middle of the road. But this offensive line, when you have the backups that you do to go along with the starting unit, of course, the veterans, Caden Wallace, do I even have to mention Olu Fashionu? I know that you lost the likes of Drew Scruggs, but this offensive line is in a much better position to succeed than it ever has been. And we can we will continue to be saying that 2024, maybe even 2025, if the groups continue to hold up the way they do. But right now, 2023, best offensive line Penn State has seen in a long time. Honestly, the running back duo, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen offer that dynamic. I know Saquon Barkley could go every single snap, and you have Miles Sanders right behind him. So those, t- those two kind of even out for me, right? They cancel each other out, essentially. Uh, and then the wide receivers, I'd give that my, a huge advantage to the 2017 team. But when you have Kalen King, when you have Johnny Dixon, when you have this group of safeties, Zach Key Wheatley, who can force those turnovers, the linebackers are significant, significantly better. I look at the 2017 roster, and that is one of my favorite rosters of all time because it was so entertaining from a persona- personality standpoint. Grant Haley, Marcus Allen, Christian Campbell. But I look at some of those guys and I say, would they start on this team? Would any of those guys even play on this 23 team, 2023 team? I don't know. 
I don't know that I don't know that they would. So I think Manny Diaz is coaching to go along with a stacked defensive unit. Defensive line is going to be a lot better than people give him credit for. I didn't even get to chop get to get to chop Robinson, deny Dennis Sutton, Zane Durant, you name it. This defense, I think, is the neutralizing factor that Penn State's offense, yes, as good as it was, as methodical as it was, I think would finally run into something that just uh, just couldn't have stopped it because when you and then when you I, I'm a firm believer in defense wins championships. I, I've I've stood by that my entire life. And I've watched football now, I think, for 20 years. I know that's minuscule in what other people have seen. So what's my opinion stacked up against the greatest football minds of all time? But I still am a firm believer that defense wins championships and Penn State's defense at times, even with Brent Pry, was a wet paper bag to say the least. The fact that they couldn't close that game out in Columbus and they gave up 39 points the way they did, it was so easy to dissect that defense. And then I know this was the year before, but a lot of players came back from that team that gave up 50-plus to USC in the Rose Bowl. So just for me, I know that Drew Aller's a question mark. I know that there's a lot of young pieces to this Penn State team in 2023, but for me, the defense wins them that game. They set up turn. They force turnovers because Trace McSorley at times would turn the ball over. He had bad games. He wasn't perfect. Is he the best quarterback in recent memory for Penn State? Absolutely. And I don't think that it's close. But I, I really do. I want to hang my hat on the fact of Manny Diaz and this defense would be able to cause some more issues than that Penn State offense was used to in 2017. Yeah, I, I, again, I think uh, I, I think talent-wise, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they uh, the 2023 does have the nod. But I just think, yeah. you know, 2017 faced a lot of things. That uh, when you look at it, for what they were able to do, you know, uh, again, just coming off the season that was 2016, you go into 2017 really foot on the gas. And I thought just the, I think that's the case you know, here for 2022 into 2023 I, as well. This team I won think it the is Rose too, Bowl, but you they don't have. Uh, yeah, they want the Rose Bowl now because it's a playoff. Absolutely. No, so, they uh, won it. I'm saying they won it. That team they won, in 2016 yeah, yeah, lost. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then won now the Rose Bowl going won. into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you go in with momentum because you won the bowl game, certainly. But yeah, the other part of it, uh, yes, Penn State lost the bowl game in 2017. They won the Big Ten, though, which yeah. uh, was, I, I think, a, a lot a lot bigger you know, with, with the really landscape of things, just big picture looking at it and really went on a huge winning streak prior to that Rose Bowl that you should have won. Yeah. I, I, again, yeah. I, I contend you should have won that game. Battled back, it led by 15. You had all the momentum in the world and should have won that game. But, you know, Sam Darnold played the best game he may play in his entire career if he doesn't yeah, step absolutely. it up in the NFL. Yeah, 18-19. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, – and uh, but for me, I, I, that 2017 team, as I look at it, Again, I'm going to be biased because of the fact that they've been on the field in 2023 hasn't been. Yeah, you know, ten, five games into the year, will will I say, oh man, this 2023 team might be better? Sure, but I, I to me, uh, what I saw out of 2017 with the way they handled the pressure, the way they handled the circumstances, I, I think I would give them uh, the nod. That doesn't mean they had more talent at every position. I think offensive line, you're right on offensive line. Uh, this is to me a lot stronger and yeah. there were good players on that 2017 offensive line. Just not what we were Great. seeing this year in 2023 not, not top five picks. No, 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 not top five picks. Uh, some of the play in the NFL, but not even first round picks. 
Uh, and same with defensive line. You can never underestimate the depth on a, on a defensive line. I thought there was a little bit of depth in that D line in 2017, 2023. There's a ton of depth. And, and to me, yeah, talent wise on paper, 2023 may win this game, but right now, as I look at it, what I saw out of 2017, it's hard for me to go against them. What, uh, what hypothetical score would you give this game? Um, yeah, probably something in the neighborhood of, uh, 38 33 or something because okay. that 2017 defense had st- struggled to stop people at times so i think uh, i would say uh 38 33 somewhere around there i think there'd be they don't give oh, up that last touchdown to ohio state like they did in 2017 when it was 38 yeah. 33 i think there's going to be a lot of field goals because that penn state offense will move the football from 2017 but i feel like the defense is good enough to at least you know backs against the wall heels in front of the doorstep they'd be able to at least hold them to a field goal i know i'm not going to get into the debate of special teams here just because of all the question marks for 2023 i'm going to give that uh, i'm going to give that advantage to 2017 uh by far so maybe that's the difference maker right is that third side of the football for actually thinking about this if that's the difference maker i'm definitely going with 2017 at the moment (laughs) that's no doubt yeah, if it's strictly like uh, more mm-hmm. more or less of a seven on seven format yeah. where they're just put, you know, kick it off, you take the football from the twenty and just go from there like a scrimmage, like a blue white game essentially. I, I would say that twenty twenty three, in my opinion, wins thirty four to thirty one, something like that. Yeah, either way, I think it's high score. It's close, and it's close. Yeah, and it's, it's close. close. Yeah, I don't think it's. Yeah, I agree. All right, and then. The because because I think it's interesting, right? Everybody loves quarterbacks. Uh, Trace McSorley, one of the best quarterbacks in Penn State history, definitely the best one in recent memory with all the accolades. Of course, Sean Clifford's up there as well. Uh, and no, Sean Clifford did not play tons and tons more games, even though he was around than longer than Trace McSorley. But it's not like he had dozens of more games under his belt to break those records. Had a few more. He definitely did. He had more opportunities, more pass attempts, but. Uh, Trace McSorley held all of those records until Clifford took some of them away. Trace McSorley had the it factor, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was a born leader. So you you said everything that came to my mind and everybody else's mind. I, I look at the the case here for 2017 versus 2023 in the case of Aller and Trace McSorley. I could put McSorley on both of these teams. I don't know that I could put Aller on 2017 team on the 2017 team and see the exact same success. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think he I think he would have had success. I don't know if it would have been eleven and two success. Because look at no. that running game in, in twenty eight twenty seventeen was phenomenal. That's something that would have helped him a lot. Wide receivers as you enter let's say it was preseason twenty seventeen versus preseason twenty twenty three. Wide receivers in twenty seventeen are better. As you're looking at it, could that be different five games in again in 2023? Maybe you're, you're deep in 2023. You've got a lot of great recruits. I just don't know what you have in terms of proven talent. That 2017 team had proven talent that was NFL caliber coming back at wide receiver, had one of the best tight ends in the country, one of the best tight ends in Penn State history coming back. So would he, he have had success? I think he could have. Again, it's just it's so hard to measure anybody against what trace mcsorley did with this team and, and i'm not saying trace won a national title you know they came up short but uh, what he did it's hard to duplicate that 
I think Drew Aller would have had success. I just don't know if he would have had success the level of Trace McSorley with this team. Yeah. But he had a lot of talent on that offense. Offensive line was just a little weaker in 2017 than it is in 2023. And that's what I think would actually hurt him a little bit. Because yeah. now, I yes, we're, we're finding out that Aller is, of course, and this this isn't coach speak, and I think people need to give him his due credit. He is more mobile than people are giving him credit for, but in the same breath, sure James is. Franklin yeah. also said that he is your traditional NFL-style quarterback, the pocket passer. So does he have quick, shifty hips? He can move around in the pocket, maybe get you five to seven yards when he scrambles out, of course. But Trace McSorley can give you house calls. Drew Aller can't do that. And I think that Trace McSorley, part of the reason these teams didn't do as well in well, – I, I can't say they didn't do as well in 17. They missed the mark, let's say that. And then uh, also in 2018, they definitely missed the mark. It's because Trace McSorley got banged up. He took a lot of hits. Imagine if he had the offensive line in 2023. He could be a little more selective with his running rather than running for his life. And then an upright Trace McSorley for all 12, 13 games potentially. Uh, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, that's, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Locked on Nittany Lines is your go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for all the latest Penn State football recruiting, of course, and then the latest news with the football team and men's basketball as it comes in. Jason, in this final segment, let, let's stick with the present, not look to the future, not think about the past. I, I do love these debates. That's why I like bringing you on to get the more abstract ideas for this Penn State football team and the program. But – Grounded in reality, there's one less player on this roster. All of a sudden, yeah. disappears like a ghost, and that is Matthias Mega Barnwell. Three-star, four-star, depending where you wanted to look. A jumbo athlete. He could have played tight end. He could have played offensive line. He could have played defensive line. Barnwell was the first to commit in this class. He did decommit after there's some changes to the tight end coach. Of course, Ty Howell comes in, re-recruits him. He's back on. And then now he's gone from the roster. I will say this about Barnwell just because it came to mind before we did the show together here. This reminds me a lot of Ken Talley. I know Ken Talley is off the roster for a different set of reasons, right? But Talley and Barnwell, what they had in common was they were probably some of Penn State's biggest supporters, Penn State's best recruiters when it came to their respective classes. Tally was the voice of reason for a lot of guys in 2022. Barnwell was the voice of reason for a lot of guys in the class of 2023. And now they're, neither of them are on yeah. the roster. When I, when I look at Barnwell's situation, people are speculating, was he, was he stubborn? To, to switch positions because tight end's so crowded, whether it's Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren as the older guys, Jerry Cross, Khalil Dinkins emerging as young options. You have Joey Schlaffer and Andrew Raplia as these prized freshmen who were in that same class as Barnwell. So, quote unquote, the writing was on the wall for Mega Barnwell. And then to say that he was stubborn and didn't want to change to offensive line or defensive line because he had three options. He was that jumbo athlete. I just find that hard to say because you don't know his type of character. Penn State wouldn't recruit a kid that wasn't willing to make the switch. So I hope something bad didn't happen. But Jason, when I sit back, I, it's just hard for me, for people to say that, well, Barnwell left because... He, he didn't want to compete at another position. I just, as an 18 year old incoming freshman, that's, you're not in a position. Nobody's really in a position to do that. Right. And I don't think yeah. from a, from a personality standpoint, Penn state wouldn't have recruited him if they knew that he was going to be stubborn like that. 
Well, you know, looking at it from a, a recruiting perspective in a, in a big way, uh, these uh, the guys that are you know study recruiting get paid the money they do because yeah. of the how difficult that job is. It's not an exact science by any means, so you don't entirely know uh, what people are thinking, what players are thinking, and sometimes guys just aren't willing to change positions. And I don't know if yeah. that was the case with him or not. Yeah. Sometimes that's just the way it is, uh, you know, just looking at it from the outside, looking in the first point you touched on tight end is extremely crowded. There's at least four guys that could see playing time this year. So offensive line no. crowded. <laughs> offensive line is extremely crowded and talented but, uh, and defensive lines, extremely crowded. You but what about too D much tackle? Depth. But what about D tackle? See, I feel like that yes, was, that was yeah. the other position that Barnwell yes, could have played. Yeah, you, yeah, no defensive tackle. If you want, if he wanted to play could have, I think, uh, you know, you had a guy from the portal with Ford that that helped a little bit, but uh, they still could have used some help there. But uh, again, a lot of times it comes from separating yourself as a player. Did he do that? Probably, maybe not. I, I, and and that's uh, and again, you not being in that locker room, you have no idea if he was willing to take a position change at whatever position it was. And if he if that's the case, then tight end is too crowded. He probably wouldn't have seen playing time. He probably wouldn't have uh, seen the field. Uh, again, offensive line, he was big enough to be offensive line, but yeah. yet small enough to be the odd man out, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, defensive end and defensive tackle, uh, they're both deep, but could have tackle could have used some help, but who knows what he was willing to do? And who knows right. if he was just beat out? And, sometimes, and that's the that's the I guess the beauty and not so beauty part right now of college football and college sports, as we see it, the transfer portal is more wide open than it's ever been. And if you feel like there's a chance for you to go elsewhere, then it, you're welcome to do that. And, and same goes for coaches. If they feel like somebody else is a better fit for that spot, then they're welcome to do that too. So yeah, a lot of times it's a mutual decision for these players not to be here. Other times it's a decision one way or another. But um, either way, yeah, Barnwell, it does look like is, is going to be off the roster and is off the roster. Yeah, it's just hard for me to sit back and say, well, he was yeah, he didn't want to yeah, change not. positions. I, I don't yep. know. I, I think because they had those conversations with him. It's not like this was totally unknown to either party, Penn State or Matthias, that this was going to happen. And they recruited two other tight ends. So they obviously had this conversation everything that I read as far as player development or the way or the way that Barnwell did project was in fact defensive tackle that he would ultimately end up there. So I, I just hope it wasn't anything negative, like an off the field issue. I, I don't want to speculate yeah, there nice. because it sounds like every, in terms of every glowing report, as far as who he is as a person is exactly that it's glowing it, there. Nobody can say a bad word about M mega Barnwell, the person, uh, the player it, you watch him in the blue and white game. At tight end, he definitely did struggle. His first step was slow. Uh, whoever was covering him had no problems. They could almost leave Barnwell alone if they were in kind of an option play where they had to zone. They could basically give him some cushion and not be worried about it. But again, he was a freshman, okay? He was a freshman. Yep. He had time to develop. So I just ultimately, we're going to be left wondering what happened. 
And I wish him nothing but the best of luck wherever he lands, of course, because Barnwell's just, he's a good kid and he's a good, to, to get recruited by a division one school, you are a good football player. So if he decides sure. that football's still his passion, he's going to wind up somewhere very respectable. Yeah, yeah, I wish him well, absolutely. And then there, there are teams that are, if he wants to play tight end, there's teams that need a tight end. Yeah, there's, hey, there's just not Penn State. Just not Penn State. Tight end. Just not Penn State. No. Yeah, they have four of them. Four good ones. Five or six on the roster. Four that have proven themselves. So uh, absolutely, I think he's can land somewhere else, and you wish him well wherever he goes. Well, that's Jason Lord over on the other side. I'm Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining us again on another podcast, Jason. I'm so glad we get to team up like this from time to time. Can't wait to talk to you again and hopefully some more exciting debates that we can have in the near future to make some, some of these episodes a little, uh, a little extra fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Zach. Anytime.